In 1905, some people drowned at Bondi Beach and because of that, some locals got together and they formed the first ever Surf Lifesaving Club. And it turned out to be pretty good because not only were they saving lives, they enjoyed each other's company as well and they started having social events on Friday nights and Saturday nights and doing fundraising and hanging out together. But it got to the stage that they were having so much fun Friday nights and drinking a bit more than they should and staying out fairly late that they couldn't drag themselves out of bed on Saturday morning to patrol the beach. And so in 1906, some people broke away and formed a new club and they moved south down the beach and they started what is now the Bondi Surf Lifesaving Club. This new group wanted to make sure they didn't get distracted, so they wrote up a charter that had seven objectives. They stuck it on the wall of their um, new clubhouse, and every objective started with the words, we are here to save lives in the surf. They didn't want to lose sight of their purpose. We're here to save lives in the surf. Now, I want us to think this morning about what our purpose is as a church, as a church here in Dubbo, what are the objectives that we do not want to be sidetracked away from? There's lots of things we could be doing, lots of fun things we could be doing, but what is it that we must be doing? What are we on about here at Dubbo Presbyterian Church? Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to be thinking about what we're on about We're going to be thinking about God's heart and three things that are very central to God's heart. They are connect, grow, and serve. Connect, grow, serve. The first one is connect. That's what we're thinking about today. Now, we've come up with the word connect, but the idea behind that word comes from the Bible. God wants people to connect with him. God wants people to know him, and God wants us as a church to be on about that too. And that's what we'll be thinking about today, connect, connecting with God. Next week, we'll be thinking about grow, because after we connect with God, God wants us to grow, to grow to know him more, to grow to understand him more. And so that's what we want to be on about as a church too, helping each other to grow. More about that next week. And then the week after, we'll be thinking about serve, which is also at the very heart of who God is, because Jesus said he didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve, and he wants us as his people to serve. So connect with God, grow in our understanding of God, and serve like God served us. Firstly, though, we're thinking about Connect. Today we're thinking about connect. The elders, the leadership of Dubbo Presbyterian Church have chosen that word connect, but it's not our idea. As I said, it comes straight out of the Bible. And if you've got a Bible there, you might want to open to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. And here in this passage, we see this idea of connecting with God. I'll just put it up on the um, screen for you. As I read this, see if you can spot the idea of being connected with God at the end there. For Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Do you see how that sentence ends? To bring 
you to God, to connect us with God. Now I want to spend a few moments this morning unpacking this whole sentence and what we find is that there's a few surprises in there and the more we read on, the more surprising it gets. The first surprise comes right at the start there, for Christ died. Christ died for sins. Now Peter, the follower of Jesus who wrote this letter, could have said Jesus died for sins. That would have been true. What's the difference here? Peter uses this word Christ. That, that's not to use... Jesus' surname, Jesus Christ. No, Christ is Jesus' title. It means king. If I want to talk about the Prime Minister of Australia, well, I can call him Malcolm, I can call him Mr Turnbull, or I can call him the Prime Minister, and that carries a bit of extra weight. It's a bit more formal, isn't it? I can say, last night, John Anderson spoke here at a dinner at this church. Or I could say, Last night, the former Deputy Prime Minister spoke here at a dinner at church. When you call someone by their title, it carries extra weight. And here, Peter is deliberately using the title of Jesus, Christ, which means King, to remind us who Jesus is. And he says, the King, the Christ, died for sins. The leader of God's people let himself be killed. If that's not surprising enough that uh, God's king would die, the next little bit is a bit surprising. Christ died for sins. Sin just means stuff we do wrong. Sin is anything that we do wrong that deserves punishment. When Jesus died on the cross, the cross, the execution, it was a form of punishment. It was a bit like the modern electric chair today. It's, a, it's an execution for something that you've done wrong. You get punished. When Jesus was executed, in fact, there were two criminals executed with him, one on each side for what they had done wrong. They were getting what they deserved. The surprise here, though, is that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Just over the page in chapter 2, Peter will say about Jesus He committed no sin and no deceit was found on his mouth. So it doesn't make sense to say that Jesus died for sins because he didn't have any. He was perfect. He was good. If you were to say Wayne had to pay a speeding fine, that's me, that would make sense. Because to my shame, more than once that has been true. I've been caught speeding, I got busted, the policeman wrote me out a ticket, I got a fine in the mail which I had to pay, I had to lose points. Wayne was fined. That makes sense. But if you said Jill had to pay a speeding fine, Jill is my wife, that would not make sense because Jill never speeds. She's a very careful driver. When she's in the passenger seat and I'm nudging up towards the limit, I get all sorts of noises. (laughs) She has never had a speeding ticket in her life. Can you believe that? Now, if you you said Jill had to pay a speeding fine, that would not make sense. Unless Jill paid for my speeding fine. Well, um, that hasn't happened, but it could, couldn't it? It is possible that Jill, out of her generosity, might pay for my fine, even though she never did anything wrong. 
And then it would make sense to say that Jill paid a speeding fine, although it wasn't her fine, it was mine. Now that's exactly what's going on in this passage here, when it says that Christ Jesus died for sins. It's not that he was punished for what he did wrong, he didn't do anything wrong. When he died, he was paying for what we did wrong. That's what those next few verses, those next few words go on to explain. For Christ died for sins once, that is Jesus when he died on the cross, for all. And that is talking about all the things that we do wrong. The righteous, the good person, that's talking about Jesus, for the unrighteous, the people who've done wrong, that is talking about us. See, we are the ones who deserve God's punishment, but Jesus took it on himself instead of us. Now, why would he do that? Why would he take a punishment that we deserve? And this is, this is what is the most exciting part of this passage, those last five words, to bring you to God. That's why Jesus did it. God wants to be connected with you. God wants you to be connected with him. And that's why Jesus died, to bring you to God. We need to be brought to God because we're not connected with God. We're disconnected from God. The passage has already talked about our sins and our unrighteousness, the stuff that we do wrong, that disconnects us from God. There's something between us and God that is broken. We all know what it's like, don't we, to be disconnected from other people. Our son Ben has just left home. He's gone to university. And it feels like we're a bit disconnected from him now physically. When you move to a new town or you take a new job or you go to a new school, you can feel disconnected. Now, that can be fixed to some extent, can't it, by phone or by Skype or by being able to communicate in whatever way it is. Sometimes, though, disconnection is not because of distance. Sometimes disconnection comes because our relationship is messed up. We can live very close to friends or family, but because of something we've done to them or because of something they've done to us, the relationship can be badly damaged and we can be completely disconnected. We can be in a marriage and be disconnected from the person we're married to. There are some people I know who haven't talked to family members for years. Complete disconnection. And it's that relationship disconnection that's kind of like the disconnection we have with God. It's not that we're physically a long way away from him. He's right here. He sees everything we do. He hears everything we say. He's reaching out to us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to pray to him. But we're disconnected from God because we have rejected him. He's the one who made us. We should live every minute of every day for him, but we don't. We live as if he doesn't exist. We treat him as nothing. Now, God does not want it to be like that. God's heart is that he wants to be connected with us, connected with you. He wants you to know him. 
He wants you to live for him, live with him. And that's the good news about today's passage, isn't it? Jesus Christ has done everything that needs to be done for you to be connected with God. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. If you're here this morning and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, how do you feel when you think about God? Because we can have lots of feelings about God, can't we? You may feel disconnected from God because you know that you are. You may feel scared of God because you know that you've done things wrong. You may feel angry at God because you have questions about things that have happened in life and if he's in control, why can he do this? Now, the Bible talks about all those responses to God and the Bible answers some of those things. But in today's passage, God wants you to be clear about one thing. God wants you to know that you are loved. God wants you to feel wanted. God wants to be connected with you. So if you are here this morning and you have been running away from God, just be clear, God is inviting you home. You are precious to him. He wants to be connected with you. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you, and that's all of us, me, to God. But this passage is about more than just God wanting each one of us individuals to come to him. This passage gives us a window into God's heart. God wants people to come to him, and if this matters to God, then this should matter to us as a church. One of the last things that Jesus says to his disciples at the end of the Gospel of Matthew is this. Therefore, go and make disciples, that's followers of Jesus, of all nations. That's what we're here for as a church. We are here to help other people connect with Jesus. Not just because we have to, this is what we want, don't we? We want other people to be connected with God. So how do we do that? How, as a church, do we help other people connect with God? Well, let me give you three ways. You can see them there on your outline. The first one is simply this. We need to make sure that we're talking about Jesus because he's the one who connects people to God. There is no other way to be connected with God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's not a very politically correct statement today. Jesus is saying there is no other way to have our sin dealt with. And therefore, there is no other way to be connected with God. So as a church, no matter how unpopular it gets, no matter how politically incorrect it gets, we will keep talking about Jesus. Because that's how God saves people. In Romans 1, 
the Apostle Paul, reflecting on this, says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, that is the message about Jesus, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, if you're here this morning and you are already a follower of Jesus, you'll know that to be true, won't you? How is it that you became friends with God? How is it that you were brought to God? It is through the message of what Jesus did. Somehow, somewhere in your past, someone shared with you the news about Jesus. And it was probably someone pretty ordinary. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, maybe it was a friend at school, maybe it was someone who you worked with, but someone had the courage to risk a friendship and talk to you about Jesus. And when you heard the news about Jesus, when you believed that message, you were connected with God. You were forgiven. That's why talking about Jesus is a risk that's worth taking. Sure, people might feel awkward about it. You might even find some people get angry at it. But the gospel is powerful. Some people will be changed by it. So as a church, we will keep talking about Jesus. We'll keep inviting people to hear about Jesus because that's the message that saves people. That's the first way that we as a church help people to connect. We share the message. The second way, you can see it on your outline, is that we live the message. Because as wonderful and as powerful as the message about Jesus is, we can make it attractive or unattractive by the way that we live. In fact, almost every time that the Bible talks about the news of Jesus and sharing it, it reminds us that our actions matter. Because nothing is worse than being a hypocrite, is it? And you might have known people who claim to be Christian, but, but what they do undermines everything they say. In Titus, it talks about making the teaching about Jesus attractive. And there it's talking about actions. The way we behave can make the news about Jesus attractive. In Colossians, when it's talking about sharing about Jesus, it says, let your conversation be always full of grace. In other words, the way that we speak with people can make the gospel attractive, or it can put people off. Because there's nothing worse, is there, than someone who thinks they know better than you and they just want to get into an argument and win an argument and get, uh, get points, and it's not having a conversation that's full of grace. Or earlier on in today's passage, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, if someone says, why are you a Christian or or why do you follow Jesus? Be ready to answer them. But when you answer them, look, do this with gentleness and respect. If you are talking about how God changed you, but you're no different to the people around you, or you think that you know everything and they're an idiot, that's not going to make the teaching about Jesus attractive. So what kind of a reputation do you have at work? 
When your friends see you, what do they see? Are you someone who thinks about others? Are you someone who notices people who are hurting? Are you someone who's gentle? Or are you someone who's proud? Or a gossip? We want to do everything possible to help other people connect with Jesus. And that means living in a way that is gentle and gracious, just in everyday life. But also here on a Sunday, doesn't it? Because especially people who are wanting to connect with God, sometimes they come to church. And so if we see someone here who's not not normally at church at nine, we'll ask them if it's their first time here. And we'll be very welcoming because we want them to to connect with God, don't we? And if someone sits next to us who we don't know and we're not sure if we know them or not and there's that embarrassing thing about, I'm not sure if I've met them before and I'm not sure if I should ask because maybe I've forgotten who they are. No, just say, have we met before? Because they might be a visitor and we want to do everything that we can to make the teaching about Jesus attractive. And if you're a visitor here, you, you feel that, don't you? When people say hello, you feel welcomed. And when they don't, you feel a bit like, mm, you know, what's wrong with me? Do you know that Bunnings Warehouse has a policy that if you're a staff member and anyone walks within two metres of you, you smile and you acknowledge them and say hello because Bunnings knows that if they're friendly, people will come back. Since I heard that from a Bunnings employee, I've noticed that every time you walk down an aisle near someone, they say hello. If they don't, they're being a naughty person. Keep an eye out for that next time you're at Bunnings. How much more important is it for us to be friendly with people, genuinely friendly, because we want people to come back and hear about Jesus? So we will speak the message about Jesus. We will do everything we can to make that message attractive. And thirdly, we will pray. Because in the end, this is not about us. 1 Corinthians says, I planted the seed, and that's the Apostle Paul, who was a preacher talking, someone else watered it, but God made it grow. In other words, in the end, it is God who changes our hearts. And so we need to be praying for each other and we need to pray that God will bring people to him. And we'll pray for ourselves for opportunities to talk about Jesus. And we'll pray for our church that we are a church that is welcoming And we'll pray for each other that we won't be ashamed of the gospel. And we pray pray for the preachers and the elders of the church that they will faithfully lead the church in keeping this message at the centre of what we do as a church. Because we don't want to be like that first life-saving club that was distracted from their purpose, who were getting together socially and having fun but they forgot what they were there for. We want to be like the Bondi Surf Life Saving Club. We are here to save lives in the surf. Although we're not here to save lives in the surf, we are here to save lives in Dubbo. We are here to help people connect with Jesus. And that's what we want because that's what God wants. Let's pray.
Father God, today we have thought about Jesus who was perfect and never did anything wrong. But Father, none of us is like that. You know our hearts and we know our hearts and we all know that at some stage in our life we were disconnected from you. And perhaps some of us still are even this morning. But Father, thank you that you want to connect with us. Thank you that you want to forgive us. Thank you that no matter what we've done or how far we've wandered from you, you want us to be in a relationship with you. And thank you that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to fix everything up. Father, please um, help us to have that same heart that you have. Father, help us ourselves to be want to be connected with you and help us to want other people connected with you just because you are so good and you are so loving and you made us to be connected with you. Father, thank you for that reminder this morning and help us not to lose sight of the reason that we are here as a church. Amen.